0: I love the town leaves. Thank you so much, Colton and Jessica. And our our heart is really that we um, not just have like an online service that you watch, but that online would be a campus that you can engage in. And so think about move, moving and how over this next year, obviously this is all new for us. Um, a, You know, two years ago, we didn't have an online campus, but as you tune in, don't think about online as the place to watch the message. Think about online as a place where you're going to discover how to build the church, how you can be in community. We're going to be having virtual connect groups. And so this is something that we're taking very seriously. We don't want you just watching service. Um, If you like my sermons that much, I appreciate that. But um, I believe that God has called you to have more than that, than just the the content, but to actually have community. Man, do you see how that just flowed? This is great. Somebody put in the chat, not just the content, dot, 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 but community. I could be in the marketing department with Colton. This would be great. This is amazing. And um, part of that, uh, being a part of our community, is giving. Um, Colton and Jess mentioned that earlier that you can go and, and, and give and put backpacks, but we have our community gives online. Uh, all of our giving. Uh, comes from online. In a weird way, it's kind of like we were prepared for this because most of our giving was already online, and now um, almost 100% of our giving is online. So as you give in this moment, um, we help organizations, A Place Called Home, that we talk about all the time, Uh, The Arc. Man, this is the anti-recidivism coalition, and if you don't know what recidivism is, It is reducing the rate that the formerly incarcerated go back to jail. That percentage is in the 80 percentile. If someone commits a felony, um, they have an 80-something percent chance of going back to jail because um, when you fill out a job application, you have to put on the job application have you been convicted as a, a, a felon and most people in our world do not have a heart for felons. It's easy to get people to fill up backpacks for little kids. It's hard for us to be honest, to see somebody with a tattoo on our neck that that has a past and still have that same compassion that we would have for a kid. So this organization has the same uh, compassion for the formerly incarcerated as we would for children. And God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy. You don't have to be cute to get his grace. You can be a hardened criminal. You can be uh, someone who has had a deep, dark past and God still loves you the same. And so do we as a church, as we um, are inspired and and called to be like God in that way. So your giving goes to help organizations just like that. Now, if for some reason... Um, You're not able to give in this moment. This is not a moment where when you can't give, uh, instead of giving financially, what you give is guilt. We don't want guilt, there is no shame. We just believe that we can all do what we can. So some people are giving five bucks. Some people are giving 5,000. And who knows, somebody might give 50,000. If this is a prophecy, that would be great because it can help a lot of people. But um, we want to encourage you to just do your part. When everybody does their part, God does something awesome. And so as you prepare your offering right now, maybe just even put something in the notes. If it's not for a backpack, put a faith statement in there. Uh, We love to see that as your giving comes in. So I'm going to pray for the offering and then get into week Four of Battles and Blessings. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness, God. May we be reminded today of how awesome you are. Perfect way to say amen in Jesus' name, amen. May we be reminded today of how awesome you are. Shout out to Pastor Nelson Luna everybody, give it up for Pastor Nelson, the seven people that are in the room, all of you online, put some hand claps in the chat for Pastor Nelson, his sermon on battles and blessings. I mean, I was uh, listening uh, today, I was on a road trip with my kids and we made it through about 20 minutes in the message before the song, "Billy Jean um, took over Nelson's messages. And if you've been on a road trip with kids, uh, music keeps everyone alive. Um, uh, Netflix keeps everyone alive because you can focus on driving and you don't get 10,000 questions. But then I did get a chance to catch up on Nelson's sermon. I was really moved um, by this, this, this thought that we need margin for what God wants to do. And I think that so many times we don't, um, we don't think about that. And I just really want you, if you didn't get a chance to watch um, Nelson's message from last week, um, it is powerful and it really will help you process what I'm about to tell you today because I don't know why well, I know for a fact we're not going to go through every book in Joshua, but we've gone one through four so far. And I'm going to talk about Joshua four. And as I was praying about this today, I just kept reminding myself on how this journey into the promised land started. And, and even though I brought this up before I get into Joshua chapter four, I just want to think about that this journey into pr- the promised land for ultimately millions of God's people begin with the simple sentence that Moses, my servant is dead. I mean, I'm on Joshua chapter four. I'm not on Joshua chapter one, where it says that. So I know you said, Pastor Julian, this is week four. You're supposed to be talking about Joshua chapter four Why are you bringing up Joshua chapter one. Let me just give you a tip about interpreting scripture. Scripture helps you interpret scripture. So when you are looking at another scripture to help you interpret this scripture, then you can interpret this scripture even better by looking at another scripture. And so I keep looking at Moses, my servant is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. That is the worst thing that could ever happen to Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. It's the worst thing that could happen. This is their anointed leader. Should I die in a tragic boating accident? I always use that example because that's one way I will never go. I'm not the person that puts a sailboat in the middle of the the Atlantic Ocean. But let's just say I was a sailor. Should I die in a tragic boating accident? That's pretty bad for our church, wouldn't you say I mean, somebody put in the chat, well, not after Pastor Nelson's message last week. It's not. That guy can preach. Hate to see you go, Pastor Julian. One time, uh, me and Nelson have a history of him preaching. One time we were in Studio 5-8, which was our um, like junior high ministry. And I mean, I, he was like basically the volunteer leader of it. And I was the pastor of the whole thing. Uh, he was the executive pastor of the junior high ministry. Let's just put it that way. And they just moved on up to executive pastor of the whole church. He preached the message last week. I come in, hot shot, youth pastor. I preached the paint off the walls. Let's just say that. The paint was peeling off the walls because of the anointing. Little kid comes up to me. I think the little kid's coming up to me to tell me how awesome my message is. And he goes... When's Nelson coming back? And that's when I knew uh, that my time was done. So should I die in a tragic boating accident, that would be a disaster. And I just kept thinking today, can you imagine someone getting up after 30 days and going, hey, everyone, Julian, God's servant, is dead. Now you need to have courage and boldness and strength to do what God has called you to do. And I'm being completely like transparent here about my process because a lot of times, like sometimes we get up and we just, you know, this is the revelation I got from scripture. But I like to share with you the process that I think about on how I got the revelation because I was thinking about in preparation of this sermon, would God have to take me to get people to do something? Like, do I have to die so that people can believe that it's not just me? And I've been wrestling with this a lot in prepping, just this fact that Moses, my servant, is dead. And I'm like, am I willing to die so that someone else would do something? Because guess what? If I wasn't here, I don't think you would let the church close. I don't think if I wasn't here, I think some people would go to church a lot more than once a month. Because they would intrinsically know that they are needed. And so I want you to write this down before I get in Joshua chapter 4. That the transmission of the promise came from the transition of a person. Write this down. The transmission of the promise came from the transition of a person. So when people are leaving that you think you need, you might be getting ready to go where you want to go. Because promises begin with transition. This person that we think we need, we need this person. Where are they going? I need this job. I need that money. I needed that person. I needed that affirmation. I needed this. I needed that. And I believe you are getting ready to be transported into the promises of God. When God shows you that there's something in your life, there's someone in your life, there's something you thought that you needed that you didn't need or you did need them. But now today you don't. Isn't that weird how God works? What I needed yesterday, I don't today. I don't know what I would do if this happened. We always say that. I don't know what I would do if this happened. And then it happens and then you know what to do. Isn't that weird? I don't know what I would do if I lost my job. Next day you lose your job. And I felt like God saying, transition is important. And then we get to the place where they transition. And then here we come, week two, we're in a prostitute. Like, what is going on? It's almost like the promises of God, they don't make sense. And so now we're on week two. And then we're on week three of of Nelson's message. And now you're asking us, I thought we were talking about blessings. And now you're asking us, to cross a river in flood stage. So let me just follow you, okay? I get it. We're battles and blessings. Pastor Julian, I'm ready for the blessing. Okay, Joshua 1, someone dies. Joshua 2, I have to rely on a prostitute. Joshua 3, I have to cross a river in flood stages. All of this has to do with the promises of God? Now, here's the weird thing about them crossing the river in flood stages, and if you're lost, it's because you didn't watch the sermon last week. That's why you're lost. So you might want to pause this, watch the sermon and then spend four hours in church today online <laughs> and then come back and like hit play. But they, God asked him to cross the Jordan in flood stages. This is a, a little bit of a prequel to my sermon because I'm processing Joshua 1, Joshua 2, chapter 3. And I'm just letting you in on what I was processing. I was like, well, the last time God, people heard about a flood, they built a boat. There was a boat when there was a flood, Noah built a boat. So they knew what happens in a flood. We build boats, right? Because the flood's coming. We build boats. And and the Lord told me to tell you that, um, before you can get to Joshua chapter four, are you building a boat? Because the last time something happened, you, you're doing the same thing that God told you to do last time. The same thing happened. So you didn't pray about it this time. You didn't get in community and ask your, your, your friends for wisdom this time. Because the last time there was a flood, you built a boat. So now you're at Home Depot, banging boards together. Hey guys, there's a flood. And God's saying, no, I need you to step into what you floated through last time. So now you got to put away the floating, the flotation device. And now I'm going to ask you to be so anointed yourself that when you step into something that I used to have to protect you from, the water's part. Moses raised his staff over the waters and they parted. Now he's asking them to step into with the presence of God. And now what parts isn't because of a special gift, it's because of God's presence on the person who is stepping into it. So then now your obstacles get out of the way when you step into it. And then if you read Joshua chapter three, the Bible says they stood there until all of Israel crossed. Can you imagine waters of Waves of rushing water can like collapse in on you any moment, and we're talking about battles and blessings. And the Bible says before they even got to Joshua chapter four that they stood in a place that could kill them until they blessed them. They literally stood there, something that could kill them until it blessed them. I just, I just, I'm I'm just like blown away by these passages of scripture. So then I'm like processing this. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to get a good sermon. And then now we get to Joshua chapter four, okay? And I'm flowing. I'm like, this is gonna be fire. Online campus, I'm getting ready to preach. It's gonna be back in the junior high days. The paint's gonna come off the walls. This sermon's gonna be so fire. And, and, and I'm gonna read this passage of scripture. All right, we got be strong and courageous. God used a prostitute. Okay, great. The, 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 the priest anointed with the presence of God because of the Ark of the Covenant stepped in the waters and the waters parted and everybody came across And then I read the heading of Joshua chapter four and it says 12 memorial stones from the Jordan. (laughs) That's great. Great. So I'm running a track meet last week and Nelson gets to talk about the waters parting. Nelson gets to talk about margin. Nelson gets to talk about the word in the work. Nelson gets to talk about, and you want me to talk about 12 rocks. Great. 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 Week four, I'm gonna talk to you this week about 12 rocks. Seems like the story can get boring. Because I have to figure out how to get you to understand why God would have them do something so boring after something so exciting. You just crossed the Jordan. Everybody has have like, like some high five. Like this would have been the moment Jesus should have turned water into wine. Like imagine if he turned the whole Jordan into wine, that would be fire. But no, he, he asked them to do something crazy. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man. And command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. Now watch this. He's saying, I want you to look at the spot where the priest put their feet and I want you to find a rock. I want you to grab a rock from where they put their feet. And he says, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Uh, Stay the night. Uh, Yeah. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark uh, of the Lord, your God into the midst of the Jordan and take upon each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Now watch this. Millions of people crossed the Jordan And then now they're dealing with community leaders. It would literally be like after this great move of God, God saying, hey, I want you to call the connect group leaders and I want you to get them to, to do something like together in their tribes and their family. And like, what do you mean? We don't have any tribes. We don't have any family. We just all come to listen to Pastor Julian preach. And that's where the miracle would stop if that's what everybody was there to do. But it wasn't just millions of people. It was millions of people in family units, in deep intimacy with each other. Our, our vision is, is, is to have intimacy with God and each other. That's what part of our vision is about. And they had that. And so God could keep the miracle going. And it says, um, each of you put a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in, t- in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Wait a minute. I thought the people when they stepped in. No, it was the presence on the people. You got to catch that. Don't step into something without God's presence. You're going to drown. Right? Anybody try to walk on water because Peter could? You're going to drown. I'm not going to drown because I'm not a strong swimmer. Um, What I do is in between swimming and doggy paddling. We need a name for it. It's not swimming. It's not doggy paddling. It's like... Um, I'm not flourishing, um, but you know, just come, somebody come up with a name from it. It says, And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. A memorial forever. How long? Somebody say it like outcast. Come on, Pastor Nelson. Come on, Sylvia. Oh my gosh, that made me so happy. Our worship leader quoting outcast lyrics Um, forever week four week one you could say that God dealt with Joshua's strength and his courage and his mourning week two you could say that God dealt with the type of people we think that God uses week three you could say that God dealt with the process that we need to do in order to prepare ourselves for the promise and week four God's dealing with our memory our memory What do you remember? I'm setting up something. I need you. Okay, great. You haven't gone to Jericho. We're going to get to the battle of Jericho. You haven't got to the promised land yet. Before I actually give you this blessing, I need you to remember this forever. So I need your memory to be attached to the eternal oh, I'm preaching. This is going to be so good. It's hopefully it's good already. This is going to be so good. I need to give you an eternal mindset when it comes to your memory before I send you into the promised land. I need you to remember this forever, ever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. I, I, I just, I'm so confused. Why is God dealing with the memory of his people? Do you know? that the average person cannot remember, like, I forget the number, but let's just say it's 10 positive things that have happened to them in the last month. We know what that person said to you 10 years ago. You know how many times I say something encouraging to someone and I go, yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, whatever. But like, that's just, and then if I say something like, (gasps) oh my God. Think about how many things, if you could tell me right now, the worst thing that's ever happened to you, everyone could tell me. Tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And I'm not trying to be insensitive about the worst thing that's ever happened to you. But I'm saying, when I'm challenging our thinking is, if I ask you what the best thing has ever happened to you, go. And then we all, if we're married and our wife's there, we go, getting married, <laughs> having kids, if our kids are there. We all, I get it, we're married. But like, I get it. We, we, we say that because we, that is the best thing that ever happened to me is getting married and having kids. But I'm talking about what has God done for you that you could go, man, I'll never forget that. And as I was preparing this message, the Lord was showing me, you have forgotten so much that I've done for you because you didn't set up stones of remembrance that when you are trying to convince yourself that God is going to do this thing, you can look back at the proverbial stones of what God did. I remember one time, one of my stones of faith, biggest stones of faith ever. And a lot of my, uh, a lot of my old school like volunteers know this. I was a youth pastor, obviously at Oasis and I, I, on faith I stepped out and I said, I said, prophetically the Lord is going to uh, have us send nearly 200 kids to summer camp. And I signed up and reserved spots for 200 people to come to summer camp. At the time, we had a youth ministry with about 70 students. And my boss at the time said, how in God's name are you going to get triple the amount of people to come to summer camp than currently come every single week? I said, I don't know. This is what the Lord said that he's going to do it. And now, because I had so many people, the price of the summer camp went almost up to $300. We have a church in the inner city. So now I'm trying to get 200 kids who can't afford $300 to come to summer camp. And I need them to all pay $300 to be able to afford the summer camp. And so um, the Lord said, make sure you tell the kids to pay what they can. Don't put a price on it. And our average collection was $75. (laughs) $75. But God moved. That's that's terrible. What do you mean that's pretty good? I needed $300 per person. Do the math. For every person that paid 75 bucks, they put me in the hole 225. Just do that math. And so we get to the end. We leave for camp in four days. And my boss at the time calls me in and says, so we owe. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the name of the camp. Uh, You can do it, Jamaica. You went to Cedar Lake Camp. She goes, in Big Bear, we owe Cedar Lake Camp $16,000. <laughs> and I'm like, I knew it was that much. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> huh, that doesn't really line up with my numbers. I knew it lined up with my numbers. And we leave for camp in four days. What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. And I said, she goes, let me just, I cannot go into Pastor Phillip's office <laughs> and tell him that our youth pastor ran up a bill for a camp in Big Bear for $16,000. Do something. And I'm like, I got it. And I went to my office like, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. Lauren. I don't, I don't have it. And I remember my, my use I, I put my phone down And I put my phone down and I was so overwhelmed, you guys. I was so overwhelmed. And I wish I could go back and tell that person who was so overwhelmed, it's going to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Have no encouragement for you. Time machine. If I had a DeLorean right now, I'd go back in time and tell that person it's going to get worse. I have no encouragement for you. And so I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I think I said, God, I, I, I need some help. And I'm getting ready to pray and pray in tongues and intercede. And right when I said, or even thought, I don't even think I said it, God, I need some help. My phone went off. And I was kind of like, I'm trying to pray, so I'm like, I'm not going to interrupt my phone to check, my, you know, interrupt my prayer to check my phone, but it kept going on. And it was a text message. And it was from a number I didn't recognize. And the text message said, hey, by any chance, are you praying for anything right now? I'm like, did Jesus get Verizon? Because I am, yes, whoever this stranger is, I just so happen to be praying for $16,000 to come in for the youth, and I'm overwhelmed. Whoever you are, you've encouraged me. Nothing for 45 minutes. So then I Google searched the number in my Gmail to see if it was attached to anybody's signature. Huh? Huh? And it was and it was a lady that i haven't talked to in that i hadn't talked to in almost 18 months and she had given $2000 to the youth ministry and i go lord i didn't even get the chance to pray and you had someone text me who might have the means to help me i just know you're with me i get a text back in about 30 more minutes or I get a phone call. I pick up the phone, and it's the lady. Hey, Julian. Hey, how are you? Good. Been doing a lot better if you wire us another $2,000. No, I didn't say that. But I'm like, I'm good. I was in the grocery store, and the Lord said, Julian is praying for the youth ministry, and I need you to call him. And so when I text you, I text you to see if it was true, because literally the Lord said, Julian is praying call. Them. And when you text me back that you were praying and what you were praying about, I knew that I was supposed to give you $16,000 for the youth ministry. And she wired 16 grand to the youth ministry within 24 hours of me sitting in my boss's office. And I ran into my boss's office. and I'm like, we got the 16,000. Can you imagine how good it felt? We got the 16,000. Yes! Yes, we were high-fiving, I was chest-bumping. Uh, yes! 16,000. 16. We rich! We rich! Everybody and their mama's going to camp. You want to bring your mama to camp? Bring your mama to camp. You can bring your grandma. We going up to age limit. You don't even have to be a youth. You be old lady and you coming to Cedar Lake. Cuz God came through with a promise. And I was so excited about the promise. And then I went back to my office, so excited about the promise. And I remembered what she said to me. She said to me, Julian is praying. I said, wait a minute. I'm really excited about this 16,000. But the Lord said my name to a stranger. I had this moment in that office where I set up a stone and I said, I'll never forget this. I will never, ever forget this. I'll never forget it. It's a stone of remembrance and I processed everything about finances through that stone. So, when I wasn't sure what God would do financially, I would remember the stone that I had set up. And that happened eight years ago, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Buddy, you good? My son's in the front. You good, buddy? Okay. Good job. Sit down, son. Good job, son. Um, I'll remember it forever. I remember forever. And so what I'm encouraging you to do, that's my stone. I want you to write this down, put it in the chat or write it in a journal. What are my stones? What are the things that I set up to remember forever in case I am tempted to forget? And I think so many times in the church, we talk about temptation to sin and what God was dealing with, with God's people before they got in the promised land was the temptation to forget forgetting what the Lord has done for you is a sin. I know we want to talk about sex. I know we want to talk about sexuality. I know we want to talk about those people and that community and what they're doing. And that is a sin. They're a sinning, but God views it as a sin to forget what he's done. Think about that. I would say, can I just say this? I want to be encouraging. I am so sinful. We forget all the time what God has done. And we move on to the next thing we want them to do, and we now realize that we'd be dead if it wasn't for the Lord. The Bible says, "Have I not been for the Lord? I'd be swallowed up." And, and it's a sin I want you to challenge that you in this It's a sin to forget what God has done, and if you don't remember it forever, God considers that a lack of gratitude. So if you're not still thinking about what God did in 2019, in 2047, God's like, "Are you serious?" Where are your stones of remembrance? What are your stones? What are the things that before you get to the thing that God is praying? Because I all know we're all interpreting a thing. We're all saying, when we talk about battles and blessings, we're all talking about the thing that we're believing for, the thing that we're expecting, the thing that we want, and, and our memory's bad. And we don't remember what the Lord has done. And he's saying, I want you to remember this Forever. I want to read to you Deuteronomy 4, chapter 9, that says this. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. In order to be a good parent and raise your kids up in the Lord, what do you think that you need to do? Pray with your kids every night. That's a good habit. We pray over our kids every night. I haven't found a scripture that says pray over your kids every night. That doesn't mean it's bad. But I haven't found a scripture that says pray over your kids every night. I think we can do Bible studies with our kids and buy children's Bible study, but I haven't found a scripture that says read them a children's Bible thing every night. But there's a scripture that says tell your kids what God has done for you. And so many times... We tell our kids what we've done for them. You ever parents ever make you feel guilty for what they did? I work and I clean and I clean up around here and you just go sit up there and not clean up your room? <laughs> Mom, you had me. I didn't ask to be here, you had me. So you had to get a job to feed me and now you're holding it against me that I had a pepperoni pizza in the microwave? You got food? You got stuff to eat? People are starving out there. It's like, yes, I'm grateful you provided for me, but like we tell our kids what we've done and we tell our kids what they need to do for God. I want you to catch this. If you're not careful, we share with our kids what we've done and then we tell our kids what they should be doing for God. The reason why youth ministries are empty, the reason why the youth is leaving the church, it's not because they don't want to hear the truth. It's because we tell them the truth, not what the Lord has done. And I'm telling you, people think that we're supposed to be telling young people the truth. These churches need to be telling young people the truth. Deuteronomy 11, read it for yourself, says... That God gave his commandments, his decrees, and regulations to the adults. And he said, keep in mind, I'm not talking now to your children. I want to address your children's memory before I address their obedience. Because disobedience comes out of what you forgot. Oh, my God. This is... Amazing, if you remember how good God is and you'll stay away from certain things because you're too busy thinking about how good God is. When Jesus showed up in the Bible, John the Baptist didn't say, hey, that guy over there, he's the guy you need to obey. What John the Baptist said was, behold, the Lamb of God. What does that mean to you and I? He's saying, don't forget what you've seen. You have seen Jesus. The scripture says, Lest you forget all the things your eyes have seen. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord move in my life. This is a story I've never shared from this platform. In 2018, I felt like the Lord told me to go to the White House and visit President Trump. And I said, The devil is a lie. I'm not about to have my whole church mad at me, you liberals. (laughs) I'm not getting all them emails. I didn't want to go. I'm not going. So I get the invite when I'm on my way to DC for something else to see Ben and Yes, Carter. They're amazing. And I get the invite to go to the White House. I'm driving past the White House and I'm supposed to be in there. I'm not going. Because I don't want people to get mad at me. I didn't want I care too much about what people thought and too little about what God thought. And so I didn't do something that God told me to do because I didn't want people to be mad. And so I said, no, I'm not going. The meeting was on a Wednesday. These two business people called me that I met one time, once. I met them in church and they told me that God was going to take me places and I needed to say yes. So this couple, I have a standing invite to the wire. I'm not going. You ain't about to give me. Nope. You're not about to put me on the news and nope, not doing it. And so this couple says, hey, we're headed back to the East Coast and um, we really need to have dinner with you. it's the Lord like and these people are really prophetic and like we have a prophecy for you and I'm like oh man at first I was like you know how prophets are they're gonna dump sand in my hand this is sand from the shores of Israel and it's like jeez man wasting my night and like sand is falling through my hands and I'm like you know pretending to cry and like it's just a weirdo (laughs) but these people are not that it's a Monday. <laughs> it's so true. That's, she's laughing because it's happened to her so many times. It's a Monday. The meeting is Wednesday and I haven't booked my flight. It's a Monday. And they, the man puts a box across the table. I don't know who you are, what's going on with you, but the Lord told me to give you this. And I opened the box and it was a presidential Rolex. And I said, what is this for? You tell me. And I was like, I've been invited to the White House. That's why this watch is to let you know that you were supposed to say yes to that. Stone of remembrance. I'll never forget it. And I can't, and you've never seen me with it. It's because I don't want you to think that I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like locked away in a safe because I can't wear it because you'll think that I bought it. And you're like, how much money is Pastor Julian making rolling up in here with a presidential Rolex? Rolex. But the Lord gave it to me yeah. not to show it off. He gave it to me as a stone. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Oh, this is really good preaching. <laughs> it's a stone. In some of my, my, my worst days, I've gone to coffee in that watch. And it's not a watch, it's a stone. Yeah. God, I will do what you ask me to do. God wasted tens of thousands of dollars to let me know that he was with me. And so I answered every email and had every coffee meeting. And I never told the people who were mad at me about the watch. Because God's saying, you got to be able to take the heat if you want the watch. The stone that you stay. And and someone told me that these watches are going for a lot of money and that I could sell it for a lot of money and like get a down payment on a house. I'm like, why would I sell my daddy's watch? It's a family heirloom. Man. And so there's this stone that I have that when I'm struggling, I look back. And so, this entire message is that when you retrace your steps to what the Lord has done, when there's no stones, you can't retrace your steps. And when you can't retrace, retrace your steps, you get discouraged about where you're going when you forget where you've come from. He's saying, I have to deal with your memory. Unholy memories create unholy destinies. Meaning when you're always remembering something bad, you're never headed towards something good. There's a spirit of negativity in the body of Christ. Or even sometimes we want to find problems with what someone else was doing. You'd be surprised how many people think they know what I should be doing. And you know how I know? When I was sitting there, I thought I knew what Pastor Philip and Holly should be doing. (laughs) If I had this church, I would, I sure would. If I had this church, I would preach a lot more down the pipe. I wouldn't do all the comedy and wouldn't. That's why you don't have a church. (laughs) Because of what you would do. And we're not not humble enough to go, I don't have a church because what I would do is not what God wants me to do. Like, this is not about what we're doing. This is about... What do we remember? And then this becomes like this thing throughout scripture that God continues to address. Isaiah 43, 16 through 25, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He's saying the issue with the new thing I want to do with your life is your memory. You're still on. You want that old thing back. Remember that old school song? You want the old thing. Your memory's messed up. So I got to deal with your memory. Your memory's getting in the way of your destiny. He says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And, and, And watch this. Verse 25, he says, and I am he, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. So God is saying, I need you to remember what I've done and I'll forget what you've done. Literally, when the gospel is in your heart, you are remembering what God has done and God is forgetting what you've done. It doesn't say he just forgives it. He says he forgets it. You know, we say, uh, people say all the time, I know when someone hasn't forgiven someone because they go, I forgive, but I will never forget. You haven't forgiven. You haven't forgiven. You, you haven't forgiven until forgiveness in the spirit is Will Smith shows up like in the Men in Black movie and lights that thing, that pin, and it's gone. That's true forgiveness. It's as if you never did it. And that doesn't mean that you, you go back to them and it's taught. See, because forgiveness is not restoration. And so many of us keep bitterness in our heart because when we're bitter, we don't go back. But when we're free, we go back. And so we keep the bitterness as a motivation to keep from going back. So I'm not talking about reconciliation. I'm talking about forgiveness. And it says that here's what God's dealing with. In Isaiah, he's prophesying the promise of Jesus and he's dealing with their memory. And in the book of Joshua, he's prophesying the promised land and he's dealing with their memory. What do you think about and remember? Remember? Can I just encourage someone? It's been 20 years since that person did that to you. And I get it. But I feel like, I, I don't want to, like we, therapy is so freaking healthy. I go every two weeks without fail. But after the first three months, I was talking about all the stuff that happened when I was seven. Like I'm digging up stuff out of my memory. And now I know I'm free because I'm talking about stuff that happened last week. (laughs) I'm like, hey man, last Tuesday, man, these people are tripping, man. Like, I'm not talking about stuff from 30 years ago. I worked all that out because God is dealing with my memory and I realized that I have a greater memory about who hurt me than the God who helped me. And so then now we're not ready for the promised land. So here we are in Joshua chapter four where God is dealing with the memory and I'm just challenging you Do you have the stones of remembrance that lead you step by step? And you should have a stone for every season. If your miracle is 10 years old, your destiny is 10 years out. That is a prophecy. If your miracle is 10 years old, your destiny is 10 years out. If if the last time you trusted God was 10 years ago, then the next time you'll see God is 10 years later. You can almost... Every single season should have a stone. What is your stone for this season? And what happens is, you know what people want your stone for this season to be? They brought masks back. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they're bringing masks back. Unbelievable. And that becomes your stone. So your stone is the mask, whether you can wear it or not. And the Bible says he wants your stone to be what he's done. And so every season should have a stone. Don't miss the stone for this season because they're suffering. They went through some stuff, but they also had a stone. I want you to write this down and I'm getting ready to land the plane here. What you remember, God's goodness, and what God forgets, your sins, is one of the biggest keys to living blessed. And I think that we have this Vision to be intimate with God and each other, but sometimes our memory destroys our intimacy because we're so busy remembering something that somebody did instead of remembering what the Lord has done that it destroys our intimacy because of our memory. We keep reliving things over and over and over again. Isaiah 49 verses 14 through 16. And this passage of scripture is 1000% preparing them for the promise. Verse 14 says, but but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. You know how many times we've said God's hand is on the city of Los Angeles? How many times I've heard that? God's hand is on America. God's hand is on... But when God, God got a big on hand, extra, extra, extra large golfing glove. If God golfed, his glove is big, got a big on hand. He needs big golf grips for his nine iron. Using golf language, I'm trying to connect with the golfers. But God's hand is on this nation, and my hand is bigger. I have a small hand, so it's a bad analogy. But God's hand is on this nation. We often say things like that. God's hand is on this city. We're here to reach the, the city of Los Angeles. God's hand is on this nation, the nation, the nation, and we make it about the city, and we make it about the nation. But He said, "I have engraved you on the palms of my hands." So God's hand is on the nation. It literally says that. Jamaica, and Nelson, and Grace, and Sylvia, and Miguel, and Natasha, and everybody in this room that I don't have time to say all of their names. It's tattooed on his hand. So when we make it about the nation and not about the individual, we develop an idol. So when we say God's hand is on a nation, we should be looking up to see our name. And what messes you up in the promised land is when I was more excited about the $16,000, and God has my name. In his heart. And you can never forget that. He says, these people could forget. And I will never forget. And Joshua 4, verse 9, I invite the team to come up. Says, so since God gave them uh, him this assignment to make sure that the people never forgot. That Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And I want to encourage you about something about the stones. He had Joshua put the stones where the priest's feet had gone. The stones went where the feet went. And God wanted to encourage somebody that sometimes he's not moving because you're not. And the stones of remembrance are as you step into what God wants you to do. He gives you a story that calls for a stone. And it's really hard to follow God when you are trying to get God to do something that's way out there. And you're trying to believe for God to be way out there that one day this is gonna happen. Way out there. And when you step, you get a story that creates a stone. When you step, you get a story that creates a stone. And so the enemy wants to paralyze you with fear and indecision so you don't take a step, so you don't get a story, and you don't get a stone. And we are not stepping and we have no story and no stones. You eventually end up not trusting God, not because you're a bad Christian, but you didn't take a step. You didn't get a story. You don't have a stone. You didn't get a step. You didn't get a story. You don't have a stone. And it's the step, the story, and the stone that gives you the faith to believe. I don't have more faith than you. I just take steps until I get a story and then I have a stone and then I take another step because I knew it, the last time I took a step, it gave me a story, and I look back and see the stone, and this is what this message is about. And my title is at the end. The step, the story, and the stone. And I am challenging all of us, and I'm looking around, even everybody up here, everybody watching online. The reason why you don't have the story is because you won't take the step. And without the step, the story, and the stone, You don't have it within your humanity to trust God like that. That's why he gives you these stones so along the way you can look back and go, ooh, this step right here is no joke. But the last time I took a step, I had a story and the stone helps me remember the story. And the Bible says not to share the steps with people this is what you need to do, especially with young people, to share the stories. I feel like God's saying, you gotta, you're going to have a story to tell. You're going to have a story to tell. The step, the story, and the stone. Father, we thank you so much. There are people under the sound of my voice that are taking a step right now, and they can't see clearly. They can't see the whole path, but as they take this step, you're going to give them a faith story. And this story is going to shift their memory where there'll be just like in in the book of Joshua four, there'll be like a stone of remembrance. And obviously I don't want to go to anybody's house and see a bunch of stones, but I'm talking about the, the journal entry. I'm talking about the thing that they write down. I'm talking about the thing that they, they keep in their heart. The Bible calls us living stones. So we can actually be the stones. We can actually be the stones that tell the story of God because of the steps we took in faith. And so I believe that Joshua chapter four is dealing with somebody's step right now. It's dealing with somebody's story and that there's gonna be um, this proverbial stones, the things that we remember that we will remember forever. In Jesus' name, amen.